Um, in the midst of all the transition and changes, just wanted to let you know a little bit of an uh, uh, mistake I made. Well, not really a mistake, but um, because of the um, rebranding, the beginning of this audio recording, I do say, welcome to the Therapy for Dads podcast, which is no longer correct, um, but it's there. So I'm just going to let you know this is the Integrated Man Project, now no longer Therapy for Dads. Um, it's one of those things that when you're in the midst of a rebrand and process change that there's sometimes a little bit of a <laughs> residual leftover, which is totally okay. But I wanted to let you know um, when you hear the beginning of of this audio recording to don't be alarmed it's still going to be the integrated man project anyway just a quick disclaimer uh enjoy the show welcome everybody to this week's episode of the therapy for dads podcast i'm excited to have my friend nate on again second time um he's been on previously on the show and episode that's episode 59 and before i jump into the topic nate just can you just do a quick introduction of who you are what you do and yeah absolutely i'm nate feathers i'm a father of five and happy to announce Gonna be a father of six uh Ooh. we just went to the uh we just went to the midwife's like they have a practice we go to, and then as we get closer or further along towards the due date, he starts coming to us. But uh, we went to her practice today. I got to hear the heartbeat, good, oh, strong, man. 164 beats a minute. I was honestly thinking twins, but <laughs> sounds like it's only one heartbeat. So we, we're mm. okay. With that. I'm okay with that. I don't have to buy a new car or anything like that to fit us all. So soon to be father of six, due in March or end of eight, end of February, early March. Hmm. I am the I am I'm on Instagram. The handle at, at Daz Don't Babysit. Just giving, sharing my whole understanding of how fatherhood, how how fatherhood probably should work better. Considering I've I've gone from I have a 19 year old all the way down to going to have another one here coming up in 2024, and things I wish I had known as a younger father. Mm-hmm. I just want to share to to the younger fathers so that they don't make the mistakes I made, and they can connect with their kids better, so that when they send them off into the world, they they still feel that great connection and they don't have the regrets. I've had for at least my oldest. And obviously, if you're watching the video, you're going to see one of the youngers. It's just me and her today. So she, mm-hmm. she's going to probably bounce around behind me, but that's just yeah. part of it. No, and I love it. I love that this is real life. This is um, this is part of what we do as dads and moms, right? It's like, hey, they're part of our life. They come in and they're, they're there. And yeah. so... I think it's just real life. And I love that she's, I love that she's bouncing around. Well, I've gotten to that point where I'm like, take them with you, right? Take them with you to work. Like if if we could take them with us everywhere, that's what I want to do. I agree. And truth is, this is kind of some of the stuff that I do. Mm. Like, well, if you're getting me, you're probably going to get one of my kids at least coming in. Yeah. No, and I I agree. I think that's such a, a model that I think in our current modern day and age has become more difficult given kind of what we do. But you're right. I think most of life was done that way, you know, pre hundred years ago, you know, past hundred years, like before that, even probably less than that, actually, you know, I guess industrial revolution, like before that, we were kind of doing the kids kind of did what we did. They were along for the ride and, and, and did it. And in some ways we did better stuff then because of that. In other ways, I think not so good stuff, (laughs) but so I think we're always have to learn and and assess kind of what we're doing in our current context and our society of what we're doing well and what we need to improve. And 
kind of speaking to what you said, and by the way, congratulations on the, oh, the, hey, the, the next child. I think it's amazing. I, I, I remember when you told me I was super stoked and, and, um, so that, that's, I'm so excited for you guys and to go back into the cave for round six. And, uh, <laughs> but the good news is I think it, it's going to tie into our topic today. And I think one reason why I have you on today is one, you know, I like you, I think you're a cool dude and, and we, we, we vibe well. So that's, that's the first reason first, first of all, but second is that you do have experience. And from that experience, it wasn't meaningless experience. It's yeah. been looking at it and saying, how can I continue to grow? And in a way, you get to do it again, 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 <laughs> six times. And really even take even all the stuff you've been, how you've grown up to this point and say, wow, I get to give more of this. And yeah. not that you don't, you can't give it to your 19-year-old, because right. of course you can. Right. It's just different. And so, you know, the topic for today is, is you know, don't sweat the small stuff and kind of what that's about for you and what that means for you. And and I think speaking from kind of where you started years ago and kind of where you were to where you are today and what that means to you. So what is that? Don't sweat the small stuff. What does that mean to you? And, and why is that such an important thing? Well, it's one of those things where, and I'll, I'll tell you kind of a story about a big time. And so you can kind of understand the, the, the concept that it comes from is I had spent, my oldest was nine. You really have to pay attention. So this is kind of like a public service announcement at the same time. I forget what he got, but he got some kind of tablet thing and, and he got intrigued and we had not been paying attention to like whole setup, like safeties and safeguards. And so somewhere along the line, him and his friends had been talking about something and he started getting intrigued in what, like basically in porn and, and that, and I think about that and I go, okay, in my first experience with porn was I was 11 years old, which in my opinion is way too young, but kids are exposed to it even younger now because there aren't Mm -hmm. safeguards. I was seven. Um, So public service announcement, safeguard your children by being careful with that, know what they're getting into, what they're getting on, what they have access to, all of those things. That's, that's a huge, important deal. Um, Mm. I remember when that happened, I, I realized this is, it's a big deal. And my wife at the time, my ex-wife now, she freaked out. She freaked out. Like she did not know what to do. She was crying. She's like, my baby is completely going to be, she's like, he's like, he's totally, you know, spoiled or whatever Mm. in the sense of like, He's, he's ruined. And I just remember being like, I remember at 11 years old wanting to see it, having that weird feeling of like, this is not good. It's not right, but I want to see more. Like, I remember all of those things. And so I looked at him and I'm like, I, I looked at her and I said, you need to leave him alone and let me have this conversation. And then I just said to, I just sat down with him and I was like, look, man, this is normal stuff. This is not you're not abnormal. You, you're mm. not bad for wanting to see this. And then I just talked to him about like, this is just not good for you because this is not, one, you're not ready for it. And two, this is not the way you need to see this. Like mm. sex is awesome and beautiful and amazing. And at some point you will experience that, but this is going to screw up your mind to how things work or how things are supposed to be. Mm. And it will skew your view of a lot of things, not just women, but sex in general. It may skew your yeah. view of yourself. Like there's so many things that go bad here. And, you know, honestly, what's scary is that we had to hope we happened upon it when we were kids. We had to hope that we happened upon it in like an abandoned house or, you know, like somehow got under the uncle's bed and found it. Like now it's so easy to get to. Right. And they're also coming out with more and more stuff where I, I came from a religious background. So I had the, 
the shame and guilt of of it being a, a horrible sin mm. to have done that. You know, like yeah. it was so heavy on me that there was like you just like fall back into this like I'm a horrible person, right? Mm. And I didn't want that for him right. because I remember how that felt, and now it's so easy to get to. But what's crazy is that now they are looking at studies of brains where if like as you watch porn, it it really messes, actually physically messes with your brain. And to that level, I was able to speak to it outside of a religious understanding. So I wasn't coming at him like this is bad and and this is shameful. I was able to be like, hey, man, this is a this is a good thing turned bad. It's a good thing. It's a great thing and a wonderful, beautiful thing that we have, we as humans have distorted. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I was also able to say, and it really will like jack with your brain to a level that it's, is not good, you know? Mm. And I didn't have to bring the, the God aspect into it. Not that I didn't want to, but I didn't have to make him be afraid he was going to go to hell for it. You know, mm. and that's, that's where I lived when I was growing up, yeah. you know, like I want to see it and yet I'm afraid and I'm going to go to hell, like all these things. And so when we had that conversation, I was so chill and so calm about it because I was like, Hey man, you're human and yeah. you're a dude. This is a normal desire. It's yeah. like, I feel like it was the first time that I looked at my son and was like, you're human too, man. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know where the disconnect was up to that point, but all the other stuff they do, they're just, they're kids. So you think I start, I lived this way before, but it was like, well, you're, you're less than, you're just a kid. You don't know, you don't understand. You don't have life experience. All of the things, forgetting that he is in fact a human and they are, they do in fact have all the emotions that we have and they just can't express it. Like all of that is changed for me. But mm-hmm. at that point I realized you need to hear this. When I was thinking about Zeke, I'm like, you need to hear this from a man who felt this way, understands it, and it's going to be okay. Mm. So that's one of the big things. That was the biggest thing in his life at that time. Yeah, Man, every little thing, like the small stuff I'm talking about is like that. Yeah, that, so that was a big moment, right? That's a big. Yeah, that was a huge that moment, That was a big right? moment, right? That was, that was a big, and it yeah, sounds like you navigate that well. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you address it well, and as a dad, you yeah. felt amazing, like confident, like I, I address this well, it's calm, and you know, it's a human thing, and I brought some of the science in, and you know, as you're talking, there's a book I have on my shelf called Your Your Brain on Porn, which is actually looking yeah. on, you know, the, the the physiological changes of the brain and a whole bunch of other stuff, and that's a whole other side podcast episode that I've actually done before on pornography and yeah. what happens to the brain. But I think you addressed it and you handed it like a champ, like, okay, I got this. And you said, okay, I need to address this calmly and normalize it, not shame it. And this is a big deal, right? And so that you yeah. did well, that was yeah. well handled, but then it's like the small stuff that yeah. we're, we're going to be talking about today is, okay, well, what about those small things? Do I handle those well? You know Exactly. And I can tell you that a lot of times I feel like for probably for dad's we don't handle the small stuff well. It's, mm. it's the, the stuff that just starts to annoy you and drive you crazy that you're like, why do I constantly have to repeat myself? Mm. And I, I just did a post about this the other day, but I'm like, maybe because repetition is the mother of all skill and your kid needs to learn. So they just keep doing something wrong until you're able to, until it clicks. They're going to yeah. do the wrong thing until it clicks because how many of us as adults still do the wrong thing? I've heard it say like, you're going to you're going to keep doing like if you keep doing what you're doing you're going to keep getting what you're getting until you learn the lesson and honestly it, like thank god for the fact that he's going to keep giving you the opportunity to learn the same lesson <laughs> over and over again right but as 
as parents, as dads, it's like, why are your shoes always in the middle of the, like we open the door and you take them off and they're right here. Right. And that's where, that's where I failed horribly because I'd be mm. like, dude, what is the deal? I told you this yesterday. Why is this a conversation we have every day? You know? Yeah. And I feel like I can tell you this, I, I, I'm very aware of it now, but the way we talk to our sons specifically, but the way we talk to our children can be extremely belittling. And I'm a big believer in the fact that that is, I'm a big believer that that, that is, that our voice is the voice that, that it becomes the voice in their head. So if I'm constantly belittling them and constantly talking down to them, then that voice in their head when they're older is going to constantly be belittling them and talking down to them. And so, I, you know, from that to make your bed and you can hmm. say make your bed and want your bed, want their bed made without being a jerk, <laughs> you know, and I just didn't True. do that. I'd be like, ah, oh, every morning you wake up, you make your bed. What's the problem? You know, mm. while I'm sitting there with my bed unmade because I'm mm. a jerk, you know, right? Like, like, how can I, that's kind of how I, that's how I did things. And so it was, you know, I mean, seriously, like shoes, they're always going to be everywhere. Clothes are not going to make it in the hamper. You know, toys are going to be everywhere. I mean, if you have kids, the dream of having a clean house is likely not going to be realized until you, your kids are gone. <laughs> you know, teenagers will break all your stuff. Your your kids will, your kid, like they just leave stuff everywhere. I find yeah. packages from granola bars and stuff like stuffed in the seats of our, like the cushions of our couch. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> that's and, all that little stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then that little stuff. And I'm wondering like a couple questions I want to slow down and, and kind of yeah, kind of tease it out a bit for for yeah. all the parents, and I totally relate to this. By the way, that those <laughs> those little things can be can get us kind of frustrated, annoyed, aggravated, and you know it could lead us to like maybe you know not being so calm. I would say or collected. Yeah. And so if you think about then, or even now when you have these moments, but especially then, like what like what do you think was going on for you? Like, did you have an awareness of internally what was happening for you? of like what, why it was so triggering or was it, or was it still, were you some level of like disconnection of meaning like, I'm just, I'm just frustrated because they're not listening. Or was there something deeper to that that you had an awareness of? What's funny, it's, it, that's two part, I think, because I look yeah. back and go, oh, that was my problem. Mm. But then, no, kids okay. are supposed to just, like when I was in that stage of life with, with Zeke specifically, because he is the oldest, when I was in the stage of life I'm in now with like Finley and Wyatt, and don't get me wrong, I still screw this up. But like when Zeke, who is 19, was seven, eight, I didn't have the awareness where it's crazy to me to think that I can now like step out of the situation mid situation and look like almost like do like a 360 view of what's happening mm. and be like, why are you like almost in the middle of it? Be like, why are you talking like that? Mm. Or why are you why are you so upset? And then like click through stuff in like milliseconds to come back into the situation and either and, and, and change course mm. back then. No, dude, I seriously was thinking kids are supposed to listen to their parents. They're supposed to do what they're told. And I was I was justified and supposed to be like the hard parent who makes them do what they're supposed to do because mm. they have to learn. Gotcha. And like now when I so now when I sit here and I look back at that guy, I, I feel bad for him. I'm like, you're missing out on so many opportunities to mm. just connect with your son, to connect with your daughter. Like you're missing out on so many opportunities to just like be in their life, hmm. you know? And so, no, I did not have this situational awareness 
of there being something deeper or even the, I don't, I want to say the humility. I didn't have the humility in my own spirit to say, it's not what he's doing. That's really the problem. It's triggering something inside of me. Hmm. And that's the thing that needs to be worked on. He's Hmm. a, you know, they're little, they don't have any life experience to, to be able to like say, well, you need to learn these things. Well, perhaps I need to learn what I did, what happened to me back then so that I can stop being so, you know, what happened to me when I was their age so that I can adjust it for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the awareness back then was maybe one dimensional, like, no, this, they're just supposed to listen, just supposed to, I'm supposed to be the bad, you know, the hard, the hard parent, the, the, the one who enforces the law or the rules of you must follow and obey and your shoes need to be this way or bed needs to be, otherwise there's some type of, you know, punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you knew. And then, and, and, and there was a disconnect, right? It was kind of more surfacey of like, this is just what happens. Now you look back years and, and with, you know, hindsight and say, wow, actually this dude missed out on a lot. On a lot. And here's, there was more going on here that he had awareness of. And so yeah. I'm wondering, could you speak to like when you gained or what happened, the journey to getting to the place of that light bulb moment or something that clicked in of, hmm, maybe, maybe I'm kind of part of this issue here. Maybe, maybe there's something deeper. Maybe it isn't really them. It's me. Like yeah. what, can you speak to roughly when that happened or how that happened or the journey yeah, to that? Sure. Absolutely. I, I can't say it was like one specific thing that all of a sudden clicked. I will say that the, so get, I, so I, I got, I've been divorced. I don't know if I've said this or not in the, in the past or not, or I probably with between you and me, but like mm-hmm. I, I was married, had two children, got divorced, got remarried. We have three and four on the way. So total of six kids for the most part, even with the younger ones like Finley, Wyatt, Luna, I would say that there was still that going on, but I was fighting it. And the beauty of it is that my wife, Megan, she was so, she is so, she's so strong that when I get that way where I'm like, you're supposed to do what I say, right? She is not afraid to like mama bear up, right? Mm. Because I would say that like, I mean, you know how it is. Don't mess with mama bear. Like they, like don't mess with the cubs. Like they will, Mm -hmm. they'll come at you. And if they got it, they'll scratch your eyes out. I mean, that's, I love that. And I love that about her because she is not afraid to call me out. Mm. Um, I think that where, I think that where that, that comes from is even when they were like, as they were growing up, I would still say it was within a, a, I would say it's really been a, a process over the last year, year and a half that having my oldest leave the nest has really like really hit me. He, and, and so to speak to how I was and how my relationship was with him is it's an ongoing process of healing with him Hmm. and having open more and more open conversations. But I can see at 19, I can see the things that he does right now that he, that seemed to come from how he was treated when he was younger. And so it Hmm. became a pattern for him. And so he is so because I was like best word I can use is oppressive because mm. I was more of an oppressive style authoritarian parent you really are going to get I think you're going to get two responses you're going to get the the one who bashes back against you and they're not going to want to be around you or you're going to get the one that like acquiesces at the moment and you break them that just kills my soul mm. and they don't want to be around you because every time they're around you they don't feel they don't like who they are around you. They don't like how they feel around you. Why do they want to be near you? Mm. And all of that really clicked in as I, we dropped him off at college. I came home and I was like, 
I don't know what my relationship with my son is now going to look like because mm. now he's not here all the time. Mm. And, and that really hit home. And all it was was I don't want to have that same problem with my other kids. And what I started to do is I started to share those thoughts. And I'm a kind of out loud thinker anyways. So, you know, when I'm thinking through anything, I usually bounce it off my wife because I just need to hear it out loud and, hmm. you know, take that, her ideas and, and run them through. And so some of my sharing on Instagram was really just like a, a more conversational in the sense of I'm going, hey, I used to think this way, but something tells me I think it should be something else. Hmm. And, and in the midst of that, getting pushback or feedback from that enabled me to start to go, huh, that's interesting. I should take it this direction. Hmm. And it really started to foster that desire to really understand how to be a, a better dad. And as that happened and as people interacted with that, I just started solidifying my own thoughts. And the amazing thing is that all of a sudden people start coming out of the woodwork that I can learn from hmm that I can go, wait a second, they wrote a book about that 10 years ago? <laughs> like, how have I not heard of this? But I wasn't ready for it 10 years ago. 10 years yeah. ago, I'd have been like, that person's a quack, you know? Can you speak to that for a second for maybe some of the dads, mom, yeah. or whoever's listening that might be in that place of like, yeah, I don't got it. Like, what, what do you think that was, like for you, that the, the barrier to being receptive to maybe the quack, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I think it was, it was arrogance in myself. Hmm. And I, th I think it, I think when it comes to men and this is spoken from my own experience as well, but I think that a lot of men resonate with this is that we don't want to be weak. We don't want to make mm. weak kids, especially sons. I think we're way harder on our sons than we are on our daughters because the world is harsh. Um, if you're a man and this is the hard part, I think you speak to this really well, especially for guys like on your reel today and you're like, there's a bear shit in the woods. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Exactly. You know, like that was perfect because for men, we think, well, the world is harsh mm. and cruel. And the truth is, when you look at statistics, you're going to see there's more men in prison. There's more men mm. that are homeless. There's more men with mental health issues. Like all of the things that you see as bad things in this world, they're upon men. And mm. so as fathers, when we're raising our sons, we have this need to make them strong, like they're not allowed to be weak. And so we also then think, at least this is the way I thought, well, that means I need to be hard. Hmm. And, and so anybody who would have said to me, you know, like even seven years ago, six years ago, whatever, that would have said, like, have you ever considered like gentle parenting? Even to, even to this day, the concept of gentle parenting to me, I feel a resistance inside me. And it's weird because I think that conscious parenting is very, is very understanding of that and probably leans that way, but gentle implied weak to me. Mm. And I didn't want to be a weak parent. I'm supposed right. to be in control. I'm supposed to run the show and you do what I say. Mm. And so there was an arrogance and a, and a desire to be the strong parent because obviously strong parents make strong children. Right. And it, it, it was just, it was misguided mm. in the sense of how I understood it. Yeah. But I think that was based out of some serious arrogance and stuff inside me. Yeah. Well, and I hear some, the other thing I'm hearing too is I think fear of your child being harmed. And you, you mm -hmm. tell me if this fits fear of your child being harmed. So therefore I need to be tough because the, I need to, again, toughen them up to this harsh yeah. world. And so then I need to, it's kind of like, that's, it's a way of like a misguided way of protecting in a way. Cause the, the goal is like the intention is there's a good intention, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's like a one dimensional view of what that might look like. Right. 
and then you kind of spoke to it earlier that, you know, then why do men and women too, but why do so many men struggle with, you know, higher suicide rates or mental health issues or other problems, drug, alcohol stuff? Like if we are making quote unquote tougher men by this way of parenting, by being harsh and hard on them, is it, the question then begs, is it actually effective? Like right. that view, that very narrowed view of, of parenting, Absolutely. is yeah. it actually effective? Right. Um, yeah. So, and obviously yeah. not, you know, that that's what we do know. But so for you back then, it was kind of an arrogance, a fear. I have to, also, I don't want to be weak because I'm guessing admitting that I need help would be weak, right? If I, if I don't have the, if I have to look to someone else to help me parent, that's admitting that I'm, I'm, I'm weak and that's not okay. Yeah. You think that was part of it too? It could very well be. I mean, when I, like, I look at my heritage too, like the, my, my father, my grandfather, when you hear the stories, the stories they would tell is, you know, my dad, I, this is, my grandfather is a legend in my family, like, hmm. like much love to him. Like he passed away 10 years ago, but, but like the way I can tell this is as an example. So my, my dad was like 15 years old and he put on my grandfather's shoes and he goes, look, dad, I can, I can wear your shoes. And my grandfather like turned around and took his elbow and just bang, like dropped him off of his feet, like shot him out of the shoes basically to the floor and was like the trick son is staying in him. That was like touted as like manly. Mm. And it's like my grandfather was a huge man. I mean, when he passed away, there were people, people that came by the, the, by like came to the funeral were like, he's the strongest man I ever knew. Like he's the strongest man I ever met. Like there was so many stories I got to hear about him at his funeral that I'm like, wow, he is legendary. So there's a part of me that goes, wow, that blood runs in my veins. That's amazing. But the other side of it is the harshness of growing up in the thirties and being treated poorly by his parents or his dad specifically, like I think 11 years old, he had a full-time job. Like, mm. like that's the kind of stuff you deal with. And then my dad, like he wanted better for his sons, but he didn't know any better. So there was still that, like that to me, like to a lot of people, that's a, that's abuse. But that was touted as like, just dad being dad, like mm-hmm. beating up on his sons. And, and so I didn't get that kind of, I didn't get that kind of training from my father because he saw that as not so great. But at the same time, that kind of strength and power of being dad had to come with him. So his came with a stern voice and a, you'll do what I say. And, mm. and this is how it works. So when I look at that, I go, well, that's, that's literally the default setting for me. Mm. Right. And yeah. so my, my examples and the people that I had around me as father figures to say, mm. that's who I'm going to be. They didn't do conscious, gentle parenting. Mm. They didn't look at teaching boys to be like emotionally aware. Mm. It was, we do work. We're, we're feathers. We're, we're made of sterner stuff than that. Like that's just mm. kind of one of the statements that was made from generation down. Yeah. So I think some of it may come from weakness, but it also comes like come from not wanting to be weak. But yeah. it also came from, it's so bad. I, like, I, I love my father, but there are some things he, he would say with Zeke specifically when he was little. He's like, yeah, he just doesn't mind. He doesn't mind what you say. He doesn't want to, he doesn't do what you tell him to. And, and it was almost like he wasn't, tr- I can't say he was trying to, but then I'm going, oh, I have to make him mind. I have to do the things that make him be controlled, especially when he's around my dad. But mm. so it's me trying to like, there's so much, I'm sure, as a, like a therapist, you can you can unpack there and be like, "Wow, Nate is really screwed up." No, 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 no. <laughs> but but it's one of those things where when I look at that, I go, "Oh, that's why I spent a lot of time trying to appease my dad because yeah. the truth is, I didn't get approval from my dad either." Mm. 
So as a dad, I'm trying to raise my son the way I see my dad wanting me to raise him Hmm. so that I could get his approval. Ah. And all it did was make more disconnect between me and my son. Hmm. You know, it's like, and if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to basically hold the shield from your, like your ancestors to keep your kids from taking those arrows or just take them yourself, then, then they're going to, they're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And so as a father, I keep going back going, I have to, I have to be willing to take whatever arrows come from the ancestry and just be like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can think that that's okay. Yeah. And then continue to do what I'm yeah. doing so that they can grow in a better, in better soil. It would be. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, what I'm hearing, there's definitely a strong family cultural narrative yeah, of yeah. being a man, right? Being a feather. And so what that looks like and... And even your, what's also interesting, though, is what your dad did in a way he kind of he knew there was something different about this and maybe some good, but also some not so helpful for him. Yeah. And so he took this step and then you were in this position of, OK, I want my dad's, which I think is so common and I think not talked about enough. But I think there is some such a strong pull of seeking approval from our father being enough or, you know, having value and worth, having worth and things and looking for them. I mean, I remember feeling it too with my dad when I was younger. I just want to be approved by him. I want to be seen as enough. And so I would do certain things in order to garner that approval, which wasn't effective because, you know, at the time I still wouldn't get it. Right. So it's kind of like this subconscious thing. And so, so part of your, what I'm hearing for you is one, I got to be strong. I want to protect my kids from the world. So I got to be this harsh, strong parent, be the bad to kind of toughen them, toughen them up. Then you have this cultural family narrative of what it means Mm -hmm. on top of that. And then you just got, I think I'm assuming just also just growing up in our culture of like what it means to be a guy versus, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. What's the rules? What are, you know, what are, you know, like what, what can guys do and not do, you know, don't be vulnerable, all the, all the classic stuff. Yeah. And then, so you have all that as a parent and you're trying to parent your kids and maybe teaching your son the oldest kind of how you were taught and maybe doing a little better realizing okay this is what my dad did didn't like that as much i'm still gonna take a step down the path but still hitting a wall of like finding myself stuck and maybe some of that authoritarian you know like i'm just you gotta listen i gotta toughen you up and so that was kind of what you're bringing in i think that's so important because often there's a story as to why we do what we do it's not just because it's never it's rare it's never just oh i'm just doing this there's yeah. always a there's always a story. There's always a reason as to why someone's behavior is the way it is, even if it's not good. Right. Even if we look in saying, "Ooh, that's not that's not helpful," but there's always a story. There's always some ex, there's experiences that lead us to this this place of seeing that this is maybe okay or normal because that's often what we experienced or what we're trying to maybe push up against too, to some degree. Oh yeah. And so you brought that in, and then what hits you? was your son leaving and you had something clicked inside of like, ooh, I'm not going to see him as much and something's different. So something inside started to stir. And so that's maybe it sounds like when the, sh- maybe there was little moments too of shifts happening of like, you know, awareness, clicking, clicking, clicking. And then when he left, it sounds like it really hit. And then you started the verbal processing and then things started to shift and, and the snowball in a good way started to happen. I guess a good snowball of, of picking up speed. And then, so, and then what happened? Did you like reach out? And talk to someone like did you start reading books like what you know so you had this awareness and so what was the next step for you if you were to look back like you know and if you were going to encourage like you know your younger self kind of what you're kind of doing now with the work you do is what would you encourage you then you know how would you could you speak to yourself then to take that step to to grow well it's kind of interesting because in the same moment that i am at, at the same time that i would not have been a guy who would read parent parenting books right 
I would be the guy who would read like self-improvement books, hmm. right? And so like, how do I become better? Uh, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, okay, how do I, how do I get stronger? How do I get stronger faster? How do I get faster? Like, who do I need to look to, to hmm. do that? How do I make more money? Like, what, what do I want to do to make, you know, X amount of dollars? Like I'm the guy that I love reading. I'm a total nerd. And so I'll read all of those things, but weirdest thing to say, I was too arrogant to even be like, yeah, I'll read a parenting book, you know? And, and so I think what ended up happening was that clicked and I was like, I don't like, what am I going to do? And I mm. will say that, so I, I, so I posted one of a video that went viral and that really got a, a following going and it got me going, well, I've been posting videos about other things. I definitely want to help people, you know? And I remember being like, I don't want dads to feel the way I do. Like if you're the father of a three-year-old and you are the way I was, man, like get as humble as you can, start reading, start following, like get people around you that are, are not thinking like you because it will help you build up what your, your concept is. I can't, I, I could get into it if you want me to, but when I was, see, this would have been right before Zeke was born. So I was 20, I was 23. And I was living outside of the country. I was living in Costa Rica. I was l working as a missionary, learning Spanish. And I had started reading these books about this concept that feels very heretical to a lot of people about how, like, does God, if God is omniscient, does he know all things or does he know everything? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, does he know all things that could be and are and, and like what were, what, what was, what is, what is to come, that kind of thing? Or could he just be aware of everything because he's everywhere all at the same time? And I started working through that concept. And then I had to, then I started bringing it into my classroom in Spanish. So I had to think about it even more because I had to translate the words so that I could have these conversations with my classmates in Spanish. Cause I'm, I'm there with a bunch of Baptist missionaries. I was not Baptist. And so they thought completely differently than I did. And that is one thing that I always enjoyed that I, I, I may have just be, I like to be the the devil's advocate, but I mm. would literally just try to take the complete opposite understanding of something and then and then bring it into a conversation so that I could see if I really believed it. Mm. What I, The reason I bring that up is because it really solidified in me what my beliefs about God were at that time with that particular concept. Mm. Fast forward all the way to a year and a half ago, and that's pretty much what I started to do was the some of the content I put out was really a, I'm thinking this way, and I think I have enough to like back it up to where if someone were to come back at me as a, like to talk about fatherhood specifically, the, the one I'm thinking of is I did a reel about spare the rod, spoil the child, mm. gave some cultural historical background and said, yeah, I don't think it means what we want it to mean. And I think it definitely doesn't mean that we should spank our kids. Now mm. there is a verse right behind that, that does say if to a level, I'm going to destroy it. But if you beat him, he's not going to die. But wouldn't it be better if he didn't die and you did that to keep him safe? Yes, there is that right there. And tons of people push back on that. But I also took, I, I know Proverbs are like little blips of wisdom. They're not, they are to be in a whole concept of like when you exegete a passage, it is, there's a whole concept that that comes from. But I, I'm not trying to take that out of, out of context. I was trying to understand that cultural and why would he say that? Right. And so in that moment, I just said, I think it means that when we don't protect our children, we ruin them hmm. and not if we don't beat them or spank them to discipline them, we spoil them and like spoil brats. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, I think that the wording and the concept is different. 
And the truth is I got so much pushback on that that I looked at my wife and I said, I think I'm onto something. Hmm. You know, like in the comments, I could be like, that's a dad, that's a dad, that's a dad. Because the vehement, you're totally wrong, you're leading people down a wrong path, you know, people bringing up the verse right behind it, all that stuff. I'm like, are you advocating for spanking your children right now? Are you advocating for hitting little people? Like, that's what it felt like to me. And, and so as I worked through that, I just kept solidifying in my heart that I think I'm onto something here with this whole, why do we have to yell at our kids? Why do we have to spank our kids? No joke, man. Within weeks, Dr. Shafali like dropped into my feed, like just, oh my gosh, I watch Impact Theory with, with Tom Bilyeu all the time. And there's a four-year-old video of her on his show that I've never seen before. And I watch his stuff constantly. And I'm like, how did I, how did I miss this? Hmm. And there she is talking about conscious parenting. Yeah. And, and I'm going, this is the stuff I'm talking about. Hmm. So to a level, I didn't really, I didn't start reading a bunch of books. I just really started to verbally say, well, what if it was different hmm. and let people almost attack me to take it so that I could really start to solidify yeah. what I believed. And then, yeah. and then came Gabor Mate. I think I said his name right. Yeah. Um, Shafali. Uh, actually, honestly, that's when I started connecting with people like you. Hmm. Um, the more I re- the more I do this, the more people like you just come into my life and help me go. Yeah, I'm I'm on the right I'm on the the right path. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, what I'm hearing that is this plain devil's advocate. Meaning, why do I actually? Why do I? Why am I doing this? You know why? What is my belief system around why I'm so demanding with my kid and my eldest? And something's happened. Something shifted where maybe in me felt a little off. Because again, it sounds like there's layers here. The layer of like oh, yeah. your cult, your family culture, pleasing your father, to then how you've sensed being a parent. Like there's like there's layers to this. And then you yeah. got to a point where similar to maybe when you're in your 20s of playing devil's advocate, really trying to challenge people, which makes you think why you believe what you believe, which is important for all of our belief systems. Like actually, why do I think this? Like, why do I, whatever it could be, it could be why I think eating steak is more effective than fit, whatever it might be. Right. Or why waking up early versus going to bed late, you know, or religious perspective, whatever it is, is actually challenging, which is part of also, I think growing up yeah, and maturing is kind of in a way deconstructing why I believe this and to build it back up again. So actually it's firmer. It's, you know, why, you know, setting a good foundation. And so you did that with your parenting and then started putting this stuff out there and then you started getting pushback, which for you, it sounds like it helped you kind of, oh, let me ask more questions and think and ask this and then, oh my gosh. So then people started dropping in at the right time. It sounds like maybe too, you're in a place to see it. I think sometimes too, if if we're, we can be so focused on a certain perspective that we tune out, so to speak, anything else. And so it's True. like we have blinders on, so we won't see, we only see what we want to see until we're ready to kind of say, well, you know, the why question, why do I believe yeah. this? Why do I think this way? Which kind of opens up our blinders to kind of maybe take a step back and get a bigger view and say, huh, I don't know why, but my dad did this, my grandfather, and but then I see this, and why do I think that's weak? Why Why do I think that's weak? Yeah. I don't know. I just know it's, I feel like it's weak, but why? Yeah. And then, oh, maybe this is why. And so this started happening, and then you started kind of, learning and expanding and growing and reading and getting other authors on and like Shafali and did you speak to Gabor Monte? That's awesome if you did, by the way. I, no, I haven't. Oh. I, I, man, that'd be awesome. I'd you love saw that. him. Okay. I was like, I was like, dang, I, that's I, awesome. He popped up again. It's stuff like that. I, yeah. I feel like, like, you know, the right they time. always say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. 
Totally. Dude, yeah. No, I, I, all sorts <laughs> of teachers popped up into my feed yeah. on like YouTube, Instagram. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And even still to this day, I mean, I started liking stuff from, I don't know what her real name is, El Breggy. If you don't follow her, she's a great follow, but oh, yeah. she is, she has a lot more with motherhood, but mm. I resonate with a lot of that. Sure. Um, but I started following her and I think that's, I mean, you start following stuff and more people just show up. Mm-hmm. That is a plus side to the algorithm of a lot of social media, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a plus. I agree. There's a plus um, yeah. within limits and structure. Yes, yeah, it's true. Especially true. with kids. So, so <laughs> coming to today with kind of what you're doing now, like you had this journey and, and really having to challenge yourself, really. What I'm hearing, the, the big theme is challenging yourself, your own perspective and w- where that came from and trying to examine it from a healthier perspective too. Like, okay, why is why, why was my dad the way he was or my mom? And where did they come from? What was their story to give me perspective as to their way of doing life? And then how does all that impact me for better, for right. not so better? And then now as a parent, when I'm dealing with some of these small issues that are really triggering for my emotional states, like I'm sure. highly frustrated or I'm angry or I'm annoyed or demanding, now with some of the work you've done, you, you've been able to kind of maybe take a step back and examine it from a healthier view. So I'm wondering, as we kind of start to come to a close, yeah. a couple things. One, what are a couple, now with the small stuff, yeah. what are some things you do practically when you maybe notice some of that really strong emotional reaction, like maybe high frustration or high annoyance or you know high maybe even anger? Like what do you do practically to kind of slow down, so to speak, and, and, and collect your thoughts to be more responsive versus reactive. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So there's one major that as it starts to rise, if, if, if my wife is around, she, again, she's not afraid to say something. And so Mm -hmm. my, my suggestion to men is listen, listen to your wife. You don't have to do everything she says. I'm not that guy that's like, Oh yeah, I just roll over and let her run the show. That's not what I mean. But my wife will say, like, she'll be like, do you need to talk like that? Do you need to do that? Like, and most of the time I used to get real mad and she'll mm-hmm. tell you, she'll tell you like that. I get frustrated now too. I don't really get frustrated. I can literally, she'll do that. And I will, I'll pull out for a second and just be like, do I really need to do that? And then, and then I can come back into the conversation. So sometimes just my wife, just being there and saying something is so extremely helpful. I hope she hears this because I probably don't tell her that enough, but <laughs> it's so extremely helpful to have that. Mm. So for guys that have a wife that doesn't parent exactly like them or that parents more this way and when they're harder, man, just at least take what she's having to say and try to see it outside mm. of your own perspective. Yeah. Because even in, in the moment, most of us guys are going to be really frustrated because if you're like me, not only are you now like dealing with the authority issue that you're the authority in your family and your kids are supposed to listen to you, but now your wife is is directly opposed to that authority and in front of your kids sometimes maybe. And I'm not saying that that should be the case, but I mean, honestly, if you're wrong, you're going to need to have the humility to be okay with being wrong and then mm-hmm. being like, you know what, you're right. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. That's not right. how I need to talk. So having a, a spouse that, that will, will say something does give you that space, even just a little quick, Hey, 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 mm-hmm. just that can be enough yeah. to go. I don't need to talk like this. I don't need to do that. So it sounds like with that, what I'm hearing is part of it's like letting go of your own ego and really taking seriously what your partner spouse is saying, saying, okay, how can I, you know, what's the truth in here? What are they trying to help me, you know, do and and be better? 
almost like letting that sink in and actually take it seriously versus just yeah. be def just defend against it and push it yeah. away. But like, okay, yeah. let me take this seriously. Maybe listen to what they're trying to get at to help me be better, more effective. And really when I get my defense is probably my ego saying, no, I got it right. You know, yeah. so allowing the influence of the other to help you. So that's one thing. Let's say she's not there. Let's say you're yeah, on sure. your own and yeah. you know, you're out with the kids or whatever. And, and some, some, some small things starting to just kind of get under your skin. Because the old you would probably, you know, I don't know, demand, yell, punish, oh. things like that, right? Like Absolutely. take away tablets and ground them, yeah. isolate, you know, tan, you know, put them on timeouts, things like that, and maybe yell, demand. But so, what yeah. do you do now to slow down, to ramp it down when you are starting to feel heightened and, and yeah. frustration, anger, annoyance? Yeah, sure. I really do. I really do breathe. Like I think I've actually mm -hmm. heard you say like four breaths, like breathe in deep, like hold for four. Like I will be in the middle of something and be like. Mm. and just try to breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, and and then come back to it. Sometimes you really just, that, that's all it takes. Mm. I, I do have an advantage. I'm not saying I have an advantage over other dads. I think I have an advantage in my own life at this point that I'm far enough into this journey that I have awareness of a lot of things. So for me, it's like, why am I taking the tablet? The instant, if I take a tablet, the instant, if, if I take it in a moment, like my, my inner voice will be like, why are we taking that right now? Is that mm. going to serve them? Like, being, being okay with talking to yourself, and it sounds crazy, but like being able to talk to yourself and in a moment, in that same moment, and, and, then, and then have that conversation internally. Again, mm -hmm. I feel like our internal conversations are fast. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take 10 minutes in my head. It's like seconds. Mm -hmm. So I take a tablet or something like that, and I'm like, no, you, you know, this, that. And then it's like, then, then I'll hear my voice go, why, why are you taking that? You give them a certain amount of time on there. Why are you taking it early? What's the big deal, right? Mm. I hate video games. Like, ask, like, I have a real, like, there's dads out there that are like, yeah, just play video games with your kid. Great idea. I love that. And if it works, do it. I'm, I'm not that dad. Like, I, I'm like, I hate them so much. Because most of the time I see my kids play them, get frustrated. I've seen my youngest son want to throw his tablet. He gets so mad, he cries. I'm like, why are, why are we doing this? Mm. It's not the video game that's doing it to him. There's something mm -hmm. else there. Yeah. So I've got to take the tablet at that point right. to like talk about this whole regulations thing. Sometimes I'll just be like, come here, man. I have had a six-year-old kid or yeah, six-year-old kid like in my lap, just holding him crying about something on Minecraft. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it's going to be okay, buddy. It's all right. And that is not the way I would have been before. Hmm. that's because I've sat there and said, okay, I don't like video games, but it's something they like, hmm. you know, like again, coming back to this, I keep coming back to the whole humility and, and fighting your ego hmm. because I think that's where sweating the small stuff or not sweating the small stuff comes yeah. from. We, again, a lot of mine probably comes from control, hmm. but that's because I didn't feel like I had control of anything when I was younger. So hmm. now I want control of everything. And you know, the best thing I can do for my own kids is to stop trying to control everything. Wow. So recognizing my own stuff and in the moments having my own little internal conversations and then adjusting as I go. It's it's hard to give advice on that or say this is practical mm -hmm. other than it just yeah. has become part of my life because I've been able to say, okay, yeah. that is a full little human. Mm -hmm. How would I feel? If I always had somebody telling me no and always had somebody sitting there telling me I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, taking my stuff 
oh my gosh, I would be a rageaholic. I would be so angry all the time. Yeah. Well, cue a, a seven-year-old who doesn't know how to regulate his, his emotions and do all that to him. <laughs> totally. Know, like, He's going to have an emotional reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're, 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 you're like the, you're both the kerosene and the match on the, at that point. And you said something that just totally just hit me and you tell me if this fits, but you, you got to like a deeper part there and, and maybe that's what this is all about or has been at least for you and maybe for some of the men out there and they're, they're, and this may not be their exact narrative, but my, my guess is there's probably something close to this, but you said part of why maybe I became hyper, you know, like authoritarian, you know, the bad guy, the domineering parent of like, you just keep listening is because I didn't have a lot of control in my, when I was a kid. And so I'm seeking to control to try to make it okay and fix it and make sure we're, we're safe and okay. But in that light, if I do that, I might actually miss those opportunities with my kid to sit and hold him when he's crying and just being a safe space for him because I might become the threat now to my kid because it's out of my own fear and my own pain from not having control. And now I'm trying to like like demand it and force it, which is actually creating more distance and more more suffering, so to speak, yeah. for me for my kid and for our relationship rather than, you know, I think a question is like, what, you know, what am I doing? What is my intention here? What am I really trying to get out with my kid? What do they actually need right now? What do I actually need right now? Cause yeah. right now I'm sensing, I feel out of control. And so I'm trying to force it. Yeah. So if I put that down, what am I actually needing and what are they actually needing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, it's that's that's spot on. I, I I love how you how you put that too. And I think the hard part is that because they're little and mm. they can't do it, we're almost required to set our stuff down and help them deal with theirs first. Mm. Within the moment, right? In the moment, I've got to take care of the six year old. Right. But when but that's why I, I lean hard on discipline in the sense of self discipline. Mm. That's why. I'm up early to work out because that helps me regulate and helps me deal with stress. It gives me time in the car alone. That's why like when there are alone moments for me to work on self or when I'm reading, I don't, I don't read, I don't, I don't read nonfiction. That's not a hit on nonfiction or I don't read fiction. Like it's not a hit on that. If you like like fantasy novels and stuff, like that's totally cool. I don't do it because I don't get a lot of time to read on my own. Hmm. And I would rather read something that's going to make me better than just something that's going to entertain me, you know? Hmm. And that doesn't mean I don't watch TV. But all of that to say, like, in those moments where I can learn how to become better, I mm. need to take advantage of that. Yeah. Because there are plenty of moments with my children awake where I need to I need to attend to them first because they just can't. They, they need me, not me needing them in mm. that situation. And so I have to be able to take my stuff, set it down, and, like, my need to control needs to go over here. And my need to and their need to connect needs to take a higher precedence. And if mm. I'm not working on myself outside of those moments, when I'm in those moments, my need to control will be there and I'll not yeah. set it aside. Yeah. And something else you said right there is that they in this moment, they need they need me more. They need like I need like I'm their guide because I think one thing too that I see a lot over here is a lack of education on brain of essentially brain development and child development of where they are at ages where we expect as parents kids to be able to do things perfectly all the time and just like you show them one time and you should you should know this right like i i just told you this five minutes ago what's wrong with you or we just talked about this last week right because we get in that mindset of like i already told you this and you did it and they did it well and then they yeah. don't do it well the next time because we get in this mindset of like well it's like you've already done this like yeah. come on but we have to remember <laughs> that actually how development works and 
this goes, I think, back to something we talked earlier is that kind of repetition of, of you know, time and time again. It's like, it's, it's, what did you say? You, you said it so well. Repetition um, is the mother of all skill. There you go. Thank you. That yeah. it's exactly right. Cause eventually they're going to get it and they're going to, like with the shoes and all the other things, it's you, you teach them, but it's, it's the how you teach them. But if you just yell at them, you know, they might learn, but what's, what are they actually learning, you know, versus, yeah. you know, what does the teacher do? You know, how do we actually be a, a helpful guide as a father where they're not actually trying to seek our approval? They know we approve of them for who they are and in turn can do these things and know that they're still going to have to grow just like we are. Like you said, like I could demand my kids all day long and make their beds, but is my bed made? Like, am I actually modeling this stuff, you know? And so, yeah. you know, as, as a final close-up question, you know, if you could encourage dads maybe where you were, you know, a couple years ago, what do you think, and this is, you know, what do you think you could have said or heard from someone that might have kind of gone past some of your ego or barriers sure. or stuff that maybe a dad can listen to today and, and it might might sink in like what what would you say what could you say i think that i would say the advice i would give if they were willing to hear advice would be be as humble as you can be like be be willing to learn Hmm. because if you're if you're humble at least in that in those moments knowing you don't know everything gives you the ability to go well i don't know everything let me listen and then you're at least open to something even Hmm. if you end up going that is quackery and i totally disagree that's okay but being open to listen to it and being willing to be like, you could be right and I could be wrong. That mm. is great. The okay. thing I would say if it was somebody like me who probably wouldn't have wanted to listen is I had a, I was talking with a guy and I said something to this level. It was like the, the cost of me not having the ability to, to do this all over again with my oldest is so high. Mm. That if you could put me in a time machine with what I know now and go back I'd pay any price, right? So I guess the thing I would say to that guy is, what if this way worked? Like, what if, what if calm, conscious parenting actually did what you really wanted, wanted to accomplish? Would you be willing to try it? And then just, if they say, if that guy said, like, if they said yes, then help them walk through that. Because I think at that, I think back in the day, if someone, and that's the hard part is that you don't have, you don't have a bunch of guys walking around going, Hey, this whole fatherhood thing is wicked hard and you're going to screw up a lot and you probably are going to do it wrong most of the time. Let me help you. You don't have that. You don't have, you have guys like you and me on Instagram, but like, I'm just somebody on a video, right? You don't have real guys standing around you doing that. And guys need, we need that. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at every tribe back in the day. We learned, we learned even now all around the world, like where you can find a more tribal style living, you have men teaching each other, you know, teaching the boys to become men. The older men are, are respected and listened to not because they're old, but because they've already experienced it, hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I would, I would say having somebody look at me and go, well, what if, what if everything you think is wrong and this would actually accomplish what you're looking hmm. for? Would you at least give it a shot? Yeah, that'd be a big ego hit for, you know, if you're in that place of not knowing to listen, of like, oof, because that's looking in the mirror and saying, ooh, maybe I'm part of the problem, Yeah, right? And that's going back to the humility piece. Hey, I think those are good questions. And, and Nate, I appreciate your time today. And my hope is that wherever you are listening to this, mom or dad, or hey, maybe you're still, maybe you don't have kids yet. That's okay. That this is something you could take away from from Nate's wisdom and from his experience and say, maybe ask those questions like, hey, what can I examine my life and why am I doing what I'm doing and what's my narrative? And 
can I challenge it a bit and maybe ask some different questions? And, you know, am I sweating the small stuff? Am I getting stuck in these, these small moments that are really triggering? And, and if I am, that's okay, but use it as an opportunity to, to go deeper with yourself to figure yeah. out what is this really about? Is it about control? Is it about safety? Is it about proving your worth, that competence? There's often something, some need that's hidden behind often these big emotions, even for ourselves, men and women. So Nate, thank you. You, everyone, this you could find the links to Nate stuff down below in the description, whether on YouTube or if you're on the audio, it's also there. Reach out to him; he's a great guy. Please do. I think he's congratulate him on his new baby. I think he's also working on some stuff that might be coming out soon. Sometime, yeah. I think he's working on some other things that he's gonna be offering. Which, you know, when he does, I'm excited to promote it. But, you know, anyway, blessings. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, mate.